Hi, I'm Anthony. And I'm Josh. And welcome to 52 and 52, a podcast where we watch one movie a week for every week in the year and do a podcast about it. Uh, so we're very excited. Today we're doing the review of Deadpool, which just came out this uh, Valentine's Day weekend. Uh, Josh and I are, are welcomed by uh, one of our guests, Nick. Uh, Nick, how you doing? Good. How are you guys? Good, man. So Nick, you work for the Golf Channel? I do. Writer, editor, man about town. Great. Golfer. <laughs> background, I worked with Nick, geez, almost four years ago now when I interned up at Comcast Sports in Philadelphia. Um, and I, I knew from back then that he was kind of a pop culture fan, and then he expressed a little bit of interest in coming on the podcast. And I, um, Nick, I actually remembered uh, way back that summer how you had like tickets two weeks in advance to uh, The Dark Knight Rises. So <laughs> I, figured that, I figured this genre would be kind of your thing, and it'd be a good one to have you on for. And I remember after reading your sports writing, I really encouraged you to go into a movie podcast. <laughs> fair, fair enough. There's a reason I'm in law school and not writing about sports anymore, that's for sure. Uh, we're, so we're also joined by our good friend at school, uh, Sky. Sky, how you doing? Hey, doing all right, guys. Thanks for having uh, me. Sky is uh, probably my best friend here, and we just we talk about comics a lot and comic book movies, so I thought it'd be good to have him on for this. Yeah, boy. All right, so uh, we're not going to do spoilers for this podcast, so I think just up front, if you haven't seen it, we all would recommend going to see it, and if you don't want to really know anything else about it, then probably stop listening, but um, but then come back and listen, because this is a great movie. Um, So I'll start uh, with you, Nick. What did you, uh, initial reactions to Deadpool? Uh, Positive. It was violent. It was profane. Um, I almost want to call it sort of not the first postmodern Superman movie, but I feel like postmodern is a good word for it just because of the time that it's come along. We've now had two phases of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. We're rebooting Batman a third time. We've had five Spider-Man films. I've lost track of how many X-Men films we've had in the last 15 years. And and Deadpool, you know, pulls no punches when it comes to just being satire of of what's really become a, a, a fairly you know, successful but bloated market when it comes to superhero movies. I kind of mentioned earlier, I knew you were a big fan of the Batman movies. That is much darker than something like Deadpool. So it sounds like while you enjoyed those movies, you were kind of also yourself maybe ready for something just a little different at the same time. I think it's different in terms of, of just how over the top it is. And I mean, how often do we get superhero movies anymore that, that feature an R rating? Um, you know, Fox particularly has been very successful with the X-Men films, some obvious missteps, They've had a lot of missteps when it comes to Fantastic Four, but maybe now they've sort of found an opportunity where they can go a different direction and, and Deadpool and, and maybe other, some other related franchises can, can be a direct rival to Warner Brothers and Disney in the sense that they're going to be rated R and they're going to be violent and they're going to uh, appeal to a, a different crowd. I mean, really all you need to know is that the, the after credit sequence in, in Deadpool has Ferris Bueller in it, um, or at least is, is, a, is a direct you know, homage to Ferris Bueller. So clearly Fox, after what, I mean, this movie spent 15 years in developmental hell, <laughs> and then somebody was just smart enough to leak the test footage, and two years later we have a movie. So this seems like a happy accident, but it, it's one the studio will take, and it's, it's certainly one that the public will take just based on how well this movie's done. Uh, at the box office. Yeah, and, and going back to, I think, what was the last rated R movie? Maybe Watchmen? Was Kick-Ass rated R? I guess that was probably rated R, too. Kick-Ass was rated R, but it, it didn't have, you know, it, yeah, it's the, not so tight yeah. in the Marvel or DC or anything. Sure, sure, sure. I just, I I really liked it, and, and I hope that they kind of continue this trend 
but correctly. Like for me, and I think for Sky too, if you want to chime in, it's like this is what this is like the perfect Deadpool movie. And this Ryan Reynolds, I know it's been said, Ryan Reynolds, this is like the perfect role for him. And the way that they did this movie is exactly how I envision Deadpool to be when I'm thinking about the comics or thinking about what it would be in a, a film setting. Yeah, yeah, I think it was a great movie, great redemption for Deadpool since they ruined him in Origins. That was very disappointing. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I mean, even down to, what is it, the fourth wall? He breaks the yeah. fourth wall. Yeah, 16th, <laughs> 16th wall. 16th wall. <laughs> that was beautiful. The whole movie was it was great. I loved it. Yeah, no, and I mean, they and they paid they paid respect to all the jokes with, with keeping it, uh, shutting his mouth shut and, uh, and all that. So I, I was really a, a fan of that and, and the, the Hugh Jackman jokes and all that. I mean, we can talk about the jokes that we laughed at the most, but since you guys are mentioning X-Men, probably the thing that got the biggest laugh for me was when he, when he, when he asked if it was McAvoy or Stewart. Oh my God. Right. Oh my God. I don't know. I, I, I I think I think you probably laughed a little more harder than me throughout Anthony, but that was probably the one that got the biggest laugh. Out of me. I mean, I don't know why it was an easy joke to make. It was just a layup for them to do. It was someone that just not anyone might have seen coming, but it, it got the biggest reaction out of me because I I do enjoy how it's such a straightforward story, and maybe some of the criticisms of just the other movies of this genre that have come out recently is maybe there's just a lot, maybe too much going on and a lot of mythology that you have to know and a lot of backstory that you have to kind of keep up with. And people complain constantly about, oh, no, we have another origin story. Oh, no, we have another origin story. And it's not a problem for me if you do it right and it's one we haven't seen before. There's a difference between seeing Ant-Man for the first time or Deadpool for the first time and Spider-Man's origin for the third time. So I'm pretty ha- – I mean, I was pretty content with this, and I just like that we had a simple story to follow. It might not have been traditional, but it was just something so different, and I found, I found that refreshing, even though um, – uh, I, I'm not necessarily. I, I enjoy all those other movies. It was kind of cool just to see them go about it in a different way. I think. Uh, I think part of the success of something like a Deadpool is that the general population isn't as familiar with Deadpool. Everyone knows Spider-Man. Everyone knows Superman. So if you do that wrong, you're gonna. Those are big waves. But Deadpool is, is fun to begin with since it's a satire. Yeah, and no, 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 I'm, I think that speaks to what Josh was saying about Ant Man. It's just the the lack of knowledge that's just out in the public. Whether you're growing up, whether you watch it or not, you just have these these uh, ideas in your head about what Batman is or who S- Spider Man is or who Superman is. But when you're saying, okay, we're gonna make a movie about Ant Man, and everyone's like, okay, well, I actually don't know who <laughs> yeah. people people like, I don't even know Ant Man's a superhero. This is a joke, right? And then you watch the movie, and and they even play they play into that. They play into the public perception, and I think that's kind of what make Deadpool just so perfect in in staying in its lane and everything. I think it was certainly redemption for Reynolds, both in terms of how bad the original Deadpool was and how divisive it was in, in Origins, but also the, the flop that was Green Lantern. And he references it. I mean, it's, it's satire <laughs> throughout the whole movie, but even when he's, he's chained to the gurney there and he's like, can you, can you not give me an animated costume and can it not be green? Um, so, so even for Reynolds, just and this, this movie's broken every record there is that's relevant. You know, biggest rated R opening, um, biggest February opening, biggest opening for Fox, and certainly the biggest opening for Ryan Reynolds. It seems like this was a movie that probably was not going to get made, got fast-tracked, and suddenly Fox has a hit on its hands that it can't wait to capitalize on. And you're saying the odds are kind of against it getting made, and just the fact that it's rated R and they have to kind of hedge their bets a little bit because you're just not going to get quite as large of an audience for a PG-13 movie. This movie had maybe a third of the budget out of 
compared, like, I think it was something like $68 million. $58 million, I want to say. Okay, yeah, I had that up earlier, and I just lost it. But it was between 50 and $70 million, which is a third of what a lot of the superhero movies are these days. And that, that was one of the things I wanted to get at was because and they, that was that's another thing. Now that I'm thinking about, they make jokes about that in the movie too. They only have the, the two yeah. different X. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought the movie looked really good. I, I saw some people criticizing how the fight looked at the end. I think that's just because people are maybe comparing it to other movies where they can tear up a whole city. I think given the given the budget that they had, uh, I thought it looked really good. And when we've seen a few movies even this year already that were kind of didn't look so good on also had a limited budget, whether it be the the fifth wave or. <laughs> Even, uh, I'm, tr- I'm trying to think of a couple others, maybe. I mean, I don't know. But it, it looked pretty good on a limited budget, and for a first, and it's a first-time director, too. So I think all those considered, I mean, obviously turned out to be a pretty smart gamble for Fox, and they made a large enough investment that they were able to make it look pretty good. Yeah, and I think for them, for the most part, like, the fighting between Deadpool and, and, and at the end is, it's not really that much animation because that's not really what his powers are, I guess, his superhero powers, and neither with um, uh, Francis either. So just they're sort of just actually fighting, and they're doing the little flips and the quick movements and everything, and that was cool. Um, and obviously Colossus and Negasonic have their little their little CGI powers and whatever, but it never, it never felt out of place for me either. So, uh, I mean, I, I think that's part of the reason why it helped the budget too. Pretty cool to make a movie that... Has a lot has a lot of really good action. I mean, just that that scene on the on the freeway was, I mean, very well done, and obviously had a lot of special effects involved. And I mean, there wasn't wasn't like maybe quite as long of action set pieces or anything like that. But I was satisfied with what we got, and the stuff in between was just so enjoyably enjoyable and funny that it doesn't bother you if you aren't getting nonstop people fighting. You know what I mean? Yeah, and I think that's been a criticism of the Avengers and Iron Man re- most recently. I think with just the constant big set pieces and lack of actually giving the characters time to like have their emotional moments and stuff. I mean, I'll, I think... be, I'll be curious to see what happens now because they have established that this is in the X-Men universe. And I think even, even more than a direct sequel to Deadpool, we could be looking at something like X-Force where you're going to start to merge the X-Men even more with Deadpool. Uh, there's a couple things you could worry about. One is, is taking something that's already kind of special on a, on a smaller scale and, and bloating it too much. And then I'd be curious to see what kind of direction Fox takes when it comes to keeping the X-Men PG-13, maybe pushing it to rated R, um, because this really didn't seem to hurt Deadpool's box office at all. I mean, it's, it's, it's done well. And, and movies, particularly in the much of a month of February, never do this well. I think the reintroduction of all the superheroes, I, I think it kind of works for, for the studios to start pushing to rated R because that's kind of the demographic they should be shooting for, in my opinion. It's the people that grew up with these superheroes instead of trying to reintroduce the superheroes to the to the youth. So, I mean, I think that's part of the reason why Deadpool did so well. You have a bunch of people that kind of know the story as opposed to teaching kids about who Deadpool is. Yeah, I can understand their hesitancy to maybe not want to just cut out the the 10 to 15 year old crowd right there at the same time because that's a pretty it's a pretty large group of people as plus well, their parents have to take them to it so you're always getting sure that too yeah and i think it's a but i think it's, it's i think it's a really interesting point that nick mentioned because i i you you obviously you've had this character in deadpool that's been a kind of a breakout hit but and they'll probably and yes i think last week they already greenlit deadpool too so that maybe comes out before any other x-men movie comes out that he would be a part of but if you obviously want to capitalize on the fact that you have this character that can that is obviously very successful 
integrating him into an X-Men movie, are you taking away everything that makes him special if you put him into a PG-13 movie? And maybe, maybe not everything that makes him special, but what made what makes it such a, a special hit for them this time around? And that is going to be a fascinating thing to keep an eye on. Yeah, I mean, I feel like I've the initial things I've read from Collider and elsewhere have been X-Force is pushing to be rated R if it gets made. And, and I mean, I think that you kind of just got to capitalize on that and go for it because that's... I, I mean, you just don't want to take away what Deadpool is. And I think that it's interesting because I was actually reading a comparison to this in Kick-Ass and how Kick-Ass 2 was just such a flop after the first one. And they just kind of overdid what made the first one so special, which is kind of similar to Deadpool, honestly. So I hope that they don't just overdo it and kind of just run it into the ground and just keep it um, keep it at its own pace. But I don't know. And Kick-Ass is such a an interesting comparison for this movie, only because you know it's it's a first time director in Tim Miller. But if you not if you do if I hadn't known who directed that movie, I would have thought it was Matthew Vaughn. It looks like a Matthew Vaughn film. It sounds like a Matthew Vaughn film. All I thought of was Kick-Ass the entire time I was watching it. And obviously, it's it's a little bit different, but stylistically, that's exactly how it appears. It's funny. I, I kind of I, I felt the same way because I, I actually before we, about this time last year it was probably when we saw the Kingsman and. I didn't. I, I didn't. I didn't know it was the same guy that did Kickass going in. Like I, I, I enjoyed Kickass and I liked it. I just hadn't followed Matthew Vaughn that closely, but it definitely kind of felt like it was his stamp on things. And um, and yeah, hopefully going forward they can uh, kind of keep this as unique and um, insular, but at the same time find a way to kind of work him in around their universe and take advantage of the fact that they're this guy's a pretty fun dude to watch on the screen. Yeah, and I think um, I think just. The first, just from the opening credits, is when you oh, knew. God, just that, that, I think that's when you knew, like that, this director had a grasp of exactly what Deadpool was was supposed to be, and and just from that, I think I looked to Sky and I was like, I was like, oh my god, dude, like this is gonna be, this is gonna be exactly what we've been waiting for, and uh, I mean, we've just been talking about this movie for months, and they leaked that footage two years ago, and. Only just great iterations and and tr- trailers with different jokes have been made and and I've just been I was very satisfied with everything about it. Right, well, I'd, I'd like to get try, maybe we can actually get into a little bit more about the movie itself because we've been kind of talking around it. And it sounds like we all kind of we all like what they did here, but I want to get into uh, some more specifics. So, um, just I, I guess I, I'm not really that familiar with the t- comics. I guess this is a, a a thing that they do where they kind of show you show you the end, and then they kind of work their way back like they did. And what, what were your kind of thoughts on the, just the way they opened it and then just the, our introduction to each of these different characters that we saw? I think the, I mean, I don't know if this is exactly what you're trying to address, but I think that that, that style kind of lends itself to us investing more in the character. We can focus more on the character and what he does, what he says, rather than trying to figure out what's going to happen, if you catch my Yeah, head. yeah, I understand that. And since he's such a, a powerful character, he's polarizing. It, it kind of works together with that. That kind of yeah, because you you kind of juxtapose the the asshole and the and the superhero, anti superhero, whatever you want to call him, versus the guy who, while not a great person, is still a human and has these problems and and is having this connection with a woman, and then all, you know, and then everything changes for him, and he kind of just becomes this more evolved person and sort of has a whole different view on life and everything. I enjoyed how, you know, not linear the, the first, what, 45 minutes of the film was, jumping back between the, the fight on the freeway and then everything else that had happened to his life to how he got to become Deadpool. It was just 
a really creative way to catch up. And then, you know, naturally you're, you're slicing back every five to ten minutes to gratuitous violence and, and funny one-liners. So uh, it was really well balanced and it was a way to convey a lot of information in a short amount of time and, and do it, you know, in a pretty clever fashion. Yeah, and I think the nonlinear stuff lends itself to Deadpool being the narrator too and just being able to just kind of interject all the – all the jokes back and forth between the two different um, kind of people he was and who he is now. And I, I don't know. I just think it works with him, especially since he breaks the fourth wall all the time. And so it worked for me. By the time you saw Vanessa again, I, and it didn't really bother me. It wasn't a problem for me, but I didn't realize two years had passed. Yeah, I, I didn't either, actually. I, I did the best job of just conveying that progression of time. He obviously, they say how many people he had to kill, but as far as I knew, that could have taken place in like two months. And so... Th- Maybe that was just the one thing about the way they jumped around that that d- didn't totally they maybe didn't totally execute, but it didn't really affect my overall enjoyment of the film. I was just like, oh, it's been that long. It makes sense that she would be that mad at him if she, it was that long. Because at first I was like, why would she really be? I mean, I guess she'd be upset if you. <laughs> no, she would be upset. You, but, <laughs> but I mean, two months and two years is a pretty big difference, and I I'd been thinking it was the former when it was actually the latter. But um, but that, that, that I think that that's another interesting thing I wanted to ask you guys about because just being more a little more familiar with the comics and the mythology of it all than I am. I, apparently, uh, the, the love story isn't so much a big part of the, uh, the original story. So how did you think that worked for you? I thought it, I mean, I, I thought it worked well, and it seems like that's something a lot of the critics have really enjoyed, and they thought it kind of grounded the character a little bit more while not kind of betraying what everyone really loved about him. So how did you think they integrated Vanessa in, and what did you think of Miranda Backer in? Because that's obviously a, a pretty important part of motivating his actions throughout the film. Yeah, um, I I don't know. I thought she was she was uh, good. I thought she was well cast, and I mean, I think it's funny she's made all the comments about how this is her third superhero franchise now. Um, I actually kind of one of the things I didn't not I don't want to say that I didn't like. I guess I kind of just expected more her on the screen more um, because a lot of the stuff I read before was her talking about how just like she didn't need a man and and she was independent and they conveyed those things but at the same time I kind of just wish we got more of her grit in the movie rather than just a small amount of time and then Deadpool having to save her etc. I'm usually critical of of like shoehorned love stories. I'm like, can't we just have something without a guy falling for a girl or vice versa? But in this case I thought it was actually very humanizing for the character because you know, granted Deadpool's very funny and the one-liners were great, but like there were times when the dialogue was slightly exhausting you know like it was just one joke too far but for to be able to ground him and give him a sense of purpose other than just you know being sort of an asshole with one-liners uh, i thought really worked well for the film and it gave gave the character a little bit of depth that he otherwise might not have had and, and i really liked her because i hadn't seen a ton of stuff she'd been in besides homeland and she had about two scenes in spy last summer and um i, I it was interesting because that looked like a different version of her that i hadn't quite seen but aside from Aside from like the two scenes she gets in that movie, it was just Homeland, which is and and mainly one of the more problematic parts of Homeland after season one. So, and where they didn't give her a lot of different things to play. So I really enjoyed seeing her kind of get to go for it because I'd heard interviews and stuff with her before, and I knew she she was a funny person that could um, had a sense of humor and was probably had a whole lot more to offer than what she did through Homeland. And I I really enjoyed her performance. I appreciated her character. For me, the way I kind of viewed her was uh, it was almost a mirror for Deadpool. And so he kind of got to maybe see himself and it humanized him more, kind of brought him down to earth a little bit. So the limited time she had, I would have liked to see her more on screen. But 
I still I, I thought she served her purpose pretty well. It is kind of funny too, though. That I guess it it kind of speaks to the um, the somewhat ridiculous nature of just him as a person, and that he goes on like this entire trek to, and starts killing all of these people, and is going through all this trouble just to find Francis, so he can make him so he can make him attractive again, <laughs> so he can get his hot girlfriend back. When you think about that, the driving force behind a superhero movie, and not Infinity Stones. That's Dad's Deadpool, baby. Like that. Yeah, it, it just the, yeah, the overall yeah. premise is kind of funny, and I like that they they, they made her more of a character though, because then it just seems kind of ridiculous. It seems even more ridiculous than it is if she's just a pretty face, and that's the whole conceit of the movie. So the fact that they made her more of a person. I think made it. It would have been just a little too ridiculous if you had just seen her for like five sec, like two two scenes earlier in the film, and then 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 that then he goes on this whole entire journey all just to, to become attractive again, and because then him just like assuming that she wouldn't love him because of the way he looked, like we knew that probably wasn't true the whole way through. She did call him ugly when she saw. Him. Yeah, well, so. she said maybe after a few <laughs> drinks it's just a face. <laughs> But no, I mean, yeah, yeah, she was great, and and I actually liked that they took their time with the the like the 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 origin of him rather than just kind of rushing it into him being Deadpool. I think that they actually spent more time with him as uh, the Merc, just like the the dude who's a human um, before he gets his powers, than I actually anticipated them doing before yeah. the movie. And they actually went through most of the process of how he sort of gets trapped in this. Uh, in this place where he's supposed to become a superhuman slave and then breaks out of it, et cetera. So, I mean, I was, I was pretty happy with the, the actual, not that it was linear, but the actual way that the story progressed and, and went forward from beginning to end. As long as we're talking about sort of um, other players who aren't Ryan Reynolds and, and you were just talking about, you know, him undergoing surgery to become a superhuman slave or whatever you want to call it. Um, I thought Ed Skrine as, as Ajax or Francis or whatever you want to call him was was sort of underrated and it gets lost a little bit because Reynolds is such a tour de force. But Ed Skrine's a, another guy with not a lot of experience. I think he's best known otherwise for like replacing Jason Statham as the transporter. But it's a tall order too. Though. Yeah, well, it's a tall order because <laughs> you just have to sort of stand there and be bald, and then I don't know who else could do it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, he has to be British too. Don't forget. Right, and so you know, if, if you could criticize him. You're like, I oh, was a little wooden, but I. In essence, that was the part. You're supposed to be, you know, the wooden foil to, to Ryan Reynolds sort of manic bouncing off the walls. Um, and it, uh, look, a guy with not a lot of experience, but I actually found him pretty enjoyable. And, you know, he played the role of a sadist fairly well because so often in superhero movies, I find myself rooting for the villain, whether it's Heath Ledger, Tom Hiddleston, even certain Bond villains. Um, it was refreshing where you could get one guy where you're like, no, I want to see him get his ass beat. <laughs> Yeah, it seems like he totally leaned into that too. And he, even though like Deadpool kind of kept undercutting him at certain points, just he was get he was getting more angrier and more surly. And Deadpool just wouldn't, he, he just refused to get on his level and try and take him seriously. And I thought they they played off each other really well. And also just the fact that they they call him out as being the generic British villain in the opening credits. I thought I was just like, all right, that's who this guy's supposed to be. We can just we can just enjoy him for what he is and not expect him to be more because that they, they already told us what it was going to be. You know? Yeah, no, and I I agree. I think it was funny because Deadpool sort of has this vibe where he's just fucking with everybody and, and trolling everybody. And this is the one guy who he like 
is trolling him back without even trying. And he's just like, what's my name? And just like pissing him off, doing like all these little things. And he stabs him right in the chest and sticks him into the, into the cement on the highway. And he just sits there and smiles. Like he's just bleeding with a sword in his, in his chest and everything. And Deadpool just like, can't get him to come down to his level. Like you said, uh, fully. And, and so, yeah, no, I, I think he was definitely a worthy first villain for Deadpool and for the for the franchise going forward is there is there anything behind the the american versus uh england and and his whole process was actually to take away not only his uh ability to feel physical pain but any kind of emotion he mentioned that he doesn't yeah. he doesn't feel anything yeah. he's just that bland english yeah, yeah, character exactly <laughs> yeah 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 no that's just which is great that's i mean that's that's why the writing was it's it's funny because the writing is basically what everyone's been pining for for two years, and it still was so satisfactory and still lived up to all of our expectations for the most part, I would say. Uh, people that actually are Deadpool fans negating uh, angry old white movie critics who don't really understand it. But, um, snooty critics. Because I, I did listen to some sure. podcasts where there was younger people that were just a little snooty, and they're just like, yeah, I, I, this movie just wouldn't shut up. It wouldn't shut up. It wouldn't shut up. I'm like, well, then you kind of went into it expecting the wrong kind of thing. I, even though I'm not a big fan of the comics, like, I kind of knew that was what you were getting into, and I was, I was fine with it. Like Nick said, maybe there were a couple of jokes that didn't land here and there, but for the most part, the they hit on a, they hit on such a high percentage that I didn't care. I, I, I was enjoying seeing something totally unique. And yeah, there, there, there are a few snooty critics out there, and they're, 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 they're allowed to have their opinions, but I think they kind of. They went in with the wrong kind of expectations. They were just mad because there were a lot of jokes cracked. I was going to say, Rotten Tomatoes isn't necessarily the end-all and be-all, but it's 83% from the critics on Rotten Tomatoes and a 95% audience score. So it, it does seem like the critics of this film, though they exist, are, are hardly overwhelming. Yeah, I just happened to listen to a couple podcasts where, with, with the wrong people. I, I, I might need to... Only listen to this one. Yeah. yeah <laughs> you know, I was just trying to, trying to get a consensus. I just happened to come across a couple. But yeah, it's been very critically successful at the same time. If, take you guys back to that fourth wall break because I love it. Yeah. I I mean, in the past, you have stuff like movies like uh, Jay and Silent Bob or Wayne's World. They they they'll break the fourth wall every now and then, and people people receive it pretty well. It's pretty hilarious. Mm-hmm. And you have someone like Deadpool. That's his thing. You know, it's coming, and it, it's still executed masterfully, in my opinion. And I, I don't know how did you guys feel about that fourth wall? Yeah. No. I mean, I think it was great, and and I think one of the most recent comparisons would probably be like wolf of wall street where it's kind of going for the the same kind of comedic thing with the leo breaking the fourth wall and doing all the drugs and shit um but i mean yeah yeah big short did but tv you have house of cards yeah yeah and they even go like to the the 16th wall a couple times in house of cards where it references the fact that he is breaking the fourth wall and there obviously is some of that here, which which I thought was done fine. Yeah. Yeah. No. I mean, and, and the thing is, it's because it's so light, but it's, but it's just so funny at the same time, where you don't have to take it so seriously, and so that's why I think it works so well, especially when he when he he can tell you, oh, I'm breaking the sixteenth wall right now, <laughs> and it's and it's just like. Yes, this is what I've been waiting for for so long. You see in some of the comics, he'll jump out of panels. Like yep. <laughs> he'll leave the comic book panel. And it's just, it's such a different kind of creative, uh, I don't want to say genius, but... Genius. What about, um, what about T.J. Miller, guys? You, you, I mean, I feel like 
they probably used him right. They they left you wanting more, which is probably if the guy that is the designated comic relief, that's probably how he best should be. But those of us that are Silicon Valley fans are obviously excited to see him featured in something. Is this his first feature film entrance or or no? But like like what what I don't know what other movie I don't know what movies he's been in in the past to be honest I don't remember he but the, he was kind of the same comic relief guy and she's out of my league oh he was in that yeah. I do love that movie too yeah it's a good movie yeah no I th- I think TJ was great honestly uh and I think it's funny because so I sort of have two two viewpoints of this I thought it was really funny how in the credits they show him and him and Reynolds going back and forth with a lot of jokes that they didn't put in the movie which is great because I can just imagine them sitting there just retaking and retaking and just going further and further, making fun of each other back and forth about his face and everything. But that's kind of also the same thing that was probably my least favorite part or kind of the most disappointing part of the movie was just that the first – I'm glad that the whole trailer was basically just like the first scene in the movie. Yeah, and sure. that's it's interesting because Pride, Prejudice, and Zombies did the same thing. The, the, the trailer was basically the first five minutes of the movie, and so it allows you to enjoy the rest of the film and not get into the plot. But I was kind of hoping that they would sort of change up at least the first scene on the highway because they sort of just used up all the jokes. And while they're still funny, I, I wish I was hearing them for the first time again rather than seeing them for the third, fourth, fifth time because I've watched the trailer so and many you, times. You and trailer sometimes they'll something in one scene just doesn't make it in the movie, but there's mm-hmm. something else in its place. Yeah, yeah, that. yeah, yeah. Which is usually it, it usually works. I just kind of think that was the thing that maybe vaulted it to like an a minus or a b plus for me instead of like a plus because i just kind of wanted to feel those jokes for the first time again instead of like oh they're used the same one they use in the trailer and i was happy that i actually stayed away from a lot of the marketing and and weirdly enough for a film that did this well at the box office maybe you guys agree or disagree or, or saw different movies or different commercials i didn't see this film marketed um that heavily you know, I can't remember seeing a trailer in the movie. I don't remember seeing that many commercials for it. Anything I saw was really just like a great use of social media, um, which oddly enough sort of fits the character. But I didn't see as much what you might call traditional marketing for this movie. And so I didn't feel necessarily spoiled or like I was already tired of it by the time it got to the – by the time it premiered. Well, I think we avoided it a lot like you did. We, we knew we were in, and that's yeah. what we kind of tend to do these days. At least Anthony and I are pretty big on it. Once we decided we want to see a movie – We'll just, we'll just book it out. Uh, we'll just like t- tune out if we see it anywhere and just not seek it out, even if we see on Twitter that a new trailer dropped or something. It's, it's better just to not risk it because you're worried that a movie – a lot of places do a shitty job of cutting trailers, and they, they give away a lot of stuff. And uh, But uh, to, to your point also at the same time, uh, a Red Band trailer is like, – the, the more – a lot of the trailer – they, they did cut a non-Red Band trailer, but because of the nature of the more popular one, they just – I think they were content just to market it online, so they could people could watch the Red Band one and didn't feel the need to maybe do as many commercials or stuff on stuff in the theater. Yeah, I just don't think a non-Red Band trailer is even Deadpool, right? So that's yeah. probably how they feel too in the in the in the studio. I think you guys were talking about a uh, TJ a little bit, and uh, I think I had some fears at the beginning of the movie when they started introducing us to characters. Everybody was funny. I was afraid there wasn't going to be enough space for all that comedy. And, uh, I mean, at the end of the movie, I thought they did well. I think they did pretty well. Yeah. And that was three big characters. What's Vanessa? Yeah, Miranda Vanessa, Deadpool, and Teach. They all, they all had their space, and they, they filled it, and it wasn't too much. Yeah, I think it worked because, like, Francis was just so smiley and deadpan the whole time. And Gina Carino was kind of just, like, uh, playing the same chick from Fast and Furious but with superpowers. Did she uh, have dialogue? <laughs> uh, <laughs> did she? 
Yeah, I, I don't even remember. Okay. Remember I feel like that's a fair question. <laughs> remember when the, um, in the final fight she uh, she uh, actually tr- uh, tricks Colossus into? Um, oh, that's uh, right. There's the exchange when if her. that counts as dialogue, then sure, she had dialogue. Yeah, I didn't think she did a bad job. No, 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 no. I didn't say she did a bad job, but he was saying that there wasn't a room for enough comedy, and I'm saying we had these other characters who just yeah. were apart from that and had their roles that weren't just there to be funny yeah I'm, I'm, but i'm a fan of giving the muscle more dialogue in oh sure in which colossus had though yeah, yeah he, did, he did that was great but like i thought that the couple times they let gina carino talk she was good <laughs> but it was only a couple times it, it was the same thing with like in uh with dave batista inspector we we knew he was funny from guardians and yeah they were just like yeah you can just be the guy that never says anything but just beats people up yeah or something like uh ronda rousey, ronda rousey in furious exactly. seven where it barely talked at all we she might not be the best actress in the world, but I mean, she was funny enough on Saturday Night Live, good enough in her Entourage movie. I, I know she can talk, so I yeah, I get you need a serious some serious presences to kind of balance it out a little bit, but let these people talk a little more. Yeah, maybe. I mean, it's such an such extreme characters. Maybe they really needed that balance. Maybe yeah. that's why it worked so well. Yeah. You had you had two very. Uh, block of wood stoic. type character yeah, stoic, stoic is a good perfect word. word perfect word but i i mean i don't know i i'm i i loved it uh i think i'm probably gonna go see it again soon and uh i'm really excited to to see what they do next and hopefully they do the x4 stuff and and spider-man gets in there and they and they kind of just they just do everything uh how they're gonna do it one thing i was disappointed not to see and we saw it coming, and we called it out. The bottomless bag. I wanted to see that. I wanted to see him pulling out guns that can't fit in that bag. You yeah, remember? Yeah, 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 left, yeah. Yeah, yeah, he left the bag the in the car. The duffel bag at the oh, end? Right. That's yeah. classic Deadpool. Yeah, he has out. like a bottomless bag of, of machine guns and pistols and, and every rocket launchers, whatever yeah. you want to call it. Um, yeah. But yeah, he left it because... Uh, probably because the budget was too low. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I don't. I, what else? What else, guys? Um, I mean, I, I've said a lot of what I wanted to say. Nick, did you have any other thoughts that we didn't touch on? Uh, not that I can think of offhand. Just more that I'm surprised that that Fox allowed this to happen. And you know, it is a happy accident because they probably weren't going to make this movie until they saw that the demand was that high off test footage. But for a company that's had a really checkered history with superheroes to to place this much trust in a first-time director and the two guys who wrote Zombieland to go off and do whatever the hell they wanted. Um, maybe it's just a testament that if you allow creative people to be creative, you can you can reap some rewards without having to churn everything through the studio system that more often than not will neuter what could have been special about a project. And, you, and I think you see this a lot in TV. If you... you a lot, of, a lot of shows, whether it be a Lucy K show or something like that, if you give someone less money in exchange for less interference, the, the results can be good because I think it does force you to be extra creative if you have to work within the confines of a smaller budget. Yeah, stimulates the creative process for sure. Oh, I want to ask about Ryan Reynolds. I, I feel like we, yes, we he's what, great. We said what needed to be said. Oscars. I mean, obviously, it seems kind of like the, the perfect role for him, but... We, we talked a little. We had a discussion about him earlier. We talked about Mississippi Grind uh, on one of our first podcasts, and um, ha, ha, I think you you were already expecting him to be great in this, just from what seeing just seeing the first trailer. But ha, ha, does this change your overall feelings about him in any way? Were you kind of how did you feel about Ryan Reynolds before you even knew what Deadpool was? I mean, I I always liked Ryan Reynolds. I just don't think that he. He didn't always pick the best projects. Like he did that stupid movie with uh, Sandra Bullock, and he, 
and uh, whatever, <laughs> whatever, yeah, proposal, and I don't know. I mean, just like stuff like that is that's not the kind of stuff that'll vault him into movie star status, and that's what we were talking about previously was him versus Bradley Cooper as as a movie star, right? And so, I mean, I th- I mean, he definitely carried this movie, and as as Nick said earlier, as everyone has said, like it broke all of the box office records for our movies and and February releases. So, I mean, as as far as I'm concerned, he can carry a movie for me. And I mean, I guess Fox now probably thinks he can carry it for them too. But I mean, that's how I feel about Ryan Reynolds. I I like him as an actor. I, I like Ryan Reynolds as an actor, and I was very pleased to hear that he was cast in that role because I I feel like watching his past movies, even Green Lantern, like he wasn't a good Hal Jordan. He was a much better Deadpool. That's his personality, and uh, yeah. And I actually think it's interesting. Someone told me that they were going to see. I think it was Matt, our friend Matt. He was on the podcast before. He said his girlfriend was excited to see Deadpool because of Ryan Reynolds in, in X-Men Origins. And I was like, are you serious? And he was like, yeah. He was so funny before they sealed his mouth shut. And I was like, well, yeah, I, I guess he actually was pretty funny in that. That's just not, I guess, the memory that I have of him in that movie because they just botched the ending. But I guess he was pretty funny in that. So I'm glad that. I guess that came through before, but I mean, this is just the the perfect evolution of of what could have happened after Origins. I put a, a typical uh, mistake in my world is uh, conflating Ryan Ryan Reynolds with uh, Dane Cook before he reached <laughs> before he reached the status. Of course, I know who he is, but back in the day, like, I, what is Good Luck Chuck? Like, yep. I put Ryan Reynolds right in that movie in my mind and mess it up because I think he's that that funny, he's that witty. Well, I mean, it's kind of of the same genre as uh, Just Friends, and I think... I fucking love Just Friends, okay? I will cape for that movie till the day I die. shit. <laughs> the one thing I hope it does for him is I hope it allows him to... Now that he has his one vehicle where he can go back to and get big paydays, I hope this is kind of like where he can he can alternate between this and then just doing smaller interesting stuff, because... As opposed to doing R.I.P.D., for yeah, example? Yeah, oh, my God. R.I.P.D. or Selfless or Blade Trinity. Hey, Selfless was actually not that bad of a movie. I'll, I will say that. Okay, I mean, I'm just sitting here running down his filmography, and it's detailed, but there's not a lot to, to really grasp yeah, on. exactly. So I liked him in Adventureland. I thought he was a... I liked him in Adventureland. He's so pathetic and just worried that guy is in his life, and that does it. he does a really good job of making that come through. And last year, The Voices, no one saw it um, with, with uh, Anna Kendrick and... I don't, I don't know what that movie is. In it, so that's all I really remember. <laughs> and uh, a lot of people, we like Mr. B. Ryan. We liked him in that. We liked Woman of, I, well, actually, a lot of people didn't like Woman of Gold. I thought he was really good in it. So he's good at these other things that are just totally not of the type of, like, something like a Deadpool. And it shows his range. And I, I hope that he decides, all right, I don't need to go do big blockbuster action films as long as I go back and do Deadpool whenever I have a Deadpool movie. And I can go just do other smaller interesting stuff because I think he's... I think he's capable of doing it, and um, I'm excited to see kind of the choices he makes going forward now that this is obviously going to put him at a different place in his career. And there's no denying that what, you know, the character being this unique and the take they had on it certainly had a role in how successful this movie was, but I do feel like a lot of the box office draw was just there are plenty of people who want to go see Ryan Reynolds act. Um, You know, even just anecdotally, I have... Uh, plenty of friends who are girls who have no idea who the hell Deadpool is, but they're like, Ryan Reynolds is in it, let's go. <laughs> and yeah, I don't I don't necessarily think that it's any surprise. And so, yes, he's good in it. The character's unique. It's a well-made film, but 
there are plenty of well-made films that, you know, look at something like Dread. Dread is a perfect example. Dread's a great film. Nobody went to see it, right? It just got lost. Um, but if you tell me that Ryan Reynolds is in something, well, it might be good, it might not be, but at least you're going to get people in there. And in this case, it was a good film with a marketable star, and you know that's why we have, you know, look, it's not going to gross a billion dollars, I don't think, and it's certainly not going to do, you know, Dark Knight or Star Wars opening weekends, but it's without question a success. It doubled its budget in three days. To that point, actually, it's it's really funny you brought that up because I was thinking about how the I, I bet you the director in the one scene where when Re- Reynolds gets out of the uh, when he's strapped down and everything and then he he lights the fire to break out of the glass and he's just turning to this ugly fucking looking dude and then they just show him and he's still got his six pack and his like chest hair and everything and it's like okay that's funny because it's sort of like the girls are here to see Ryan Reynolds with his shirt off but also <laughs> he's got like a fucked up face and arms and legs and but he's just got his six pack sitting there and I don't know I thought it was uh, it's just a small thing but I thought it was funny. Well, no, I mean, I think uh, I think that about wraps it up. So again, Nick, thank you for joining us. Sky, thank you for joining us. Um, Nick, do you want to? Uh, where can we find you to chat? Twitter, wherever, Facebook. What What do you have? Yeah, Twitter's fine. Nick, uh, it's at Nick Menta GC, and uh, it's an interesting mix of uh, sports, movies, professional wrestling, whatever's on my mind. Uh, so, Sky, you want to share your Twitter? Uh, at schism my nizzle if you guys want to, uh, <laughs> some, some random thoughts and absurd comments <laughs> and again you can find me at a clambake a-k-l-a-m-b-a-k-e and josh at josh Sherboy, j-o-s-h-j-u-r-n-o-v-o-y and we have our uh, podcast email address 52in52pod at gmail.com 52in52pod at gmail.com And uh, thanks again, guys, for hanging with us, and uh, thanks for listening. Boobies.